I can do things that wet without asking anybody, even my Coney wife. Coney Island, world's biggest barrel of and fun. Anywhere else your imagination takes you. Okay, we've done that now, Paul. You get the whole show now, you hurry, hurry, hurry. Anything's possible at Disneyland. Welcome aboard the Themed Attraction Podcast, where we take you for a ride through the wonderful world of theme park design, that is. You've just set course for another amazing adventure of discovery and discussion with theme park industry masters of the craft. I'm your skipper, Freddie Martin, and riding the Green River with me, as always, is theme park designer, master planner, and chief creative officer for Storyland Studios, Mel McGowan. Which way's the river taking us today, Mel? We'll grab your passport and get your Euro Pass up to date because we're headed into the forests of Germany in the heart of Europe, where one of the most popular parks in that part of the world has been pumping up the funds since 1975. None other than one of my childhood parks, Europa Park. Uh, they're a friend, client, uh, and they're also a model showroom for one of the most uh, innovative ride developers in the world, Mac Rides. We're going to catch up with one of the world's great themed entertainment art directors for Mac Rides and Europa Park, Mr. Daniel Kirscher. Daniel and I found time at the IAPA Expo to dig into his story and learn about how storytelling is core to every idea he chases down on a day-to-day basis. All righty, folks. Keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside the boat, because this episode is about to leave the dock. Hit it, Sam. Now, a lot of us might remember what it was like when Disney first tried to to invade Europe with Disneyland Paris or Euro Disney at the time. And it was so rejected, like the culture of Europe, as you can remember, was like, don't you Disneyfy this beautiful place, this place with all this history and try and put up castles when there's castles everywhere around here. Why would you jump in and try to create something like that? And now it's years later and people have raised their kids going to there. So it's got a a completely different perspective. But uh, it's so strange to me that the American, uh, the American love of the theme park felt like it needed to be exported when they were already building something there. What, what do you, what do you remember, Mel, about that sort of transition uh, from Disney coming into Europe when there was already a European theme park market? Well, you know, I, I, I think there's a difference between the kind of the global press and what sells papers and catches eyeballs, <laughs> you know, in terms of focusing on some of the, the high cultural guard, you know, and the disdain of American. You I know, guess they had my culture. eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, because again, I, the reality, of course, is that in a lot of ways, both the the European based stories and uh, as well as the whole concept of the the kind of immersive pleasure gardens were kind of coming back home, right? Uh, to uh, you know where where a lot of that stuff you know was rooted in, and I think uh, the regard that was uh, you know just the intentionality that Tony Baxter, Tom Morris, and the, you know, a lot of our friends and the teams put into, you know, with true sincerity, just doing this beautiful, uh, place, uh, you know, outside of Paris, you know, really quickly when, uh, most of those critics over 
Um, and again, uh, the unique cultural aspects, but I think, you know, that team was wise. I mean, they, they went in eyes wide open, uh, again, the approach of almost being a cultural anthropologist, understanding the preconceptions, the expectations, they, they, they just knew that they weren't going to kind of actually do what Disney did in Hong Kong. They weren't going to just cut and paste the elevations of main street USA and, uh, the castle. Um, and, and they had to go back to the drawing boards and, and do something that was unique. I know in our work with Europa Park, we really had to understand the the, the unique differences in terms of their audience and their market uh, and their product versus uh, in in contrast to Disney. And what are the things that make uh, them unique and different as opposed to Efteling, you know, which is very much based in you know uh, the the actual art direction and artists of of old Dutch uh, illustrators um, and uh, and their own take on things. Same thing with Tivoli. I mean, Tivoli was very much almost a, an Asian themed park mm-hmm. in Copenhagen. So again, it just has layers of, of kind of interpretation to it that ultimately does become like become its own. So I, I mean, I feel like Disneyland Paris has kind of almost come into it its own where people that have grown up with that, you know, definitely feel a level of ownership of that. It, it's not like a, a mid century American, you know, product anymore. It's, it's kind of their own thing. Um, but, uh, anyways, Europa Park has been great because, you know, where, when I was a kid, what I remember from Europa Park was a little bit of a, a cut and paste of, uh, some, some things were, they were pretty obvious Disney lifts. You know, they, they had their knockoff of <laughs> the Jungle Cruise and Small World and Pirates. And, and again, they've gone back and kind of made it more, even more of their own, uh, over the years. So it's, it really is kind of interesting how that cultural appropriation kind of, bounces around and goes both ways. <laughs> well, certainly Walt was cultural appropriating because he toured those parks <laughs> trying to bring bring what the best of them uh, back to Disneyland. So it is it is a full circle place. And you know, today the world is getting smaller. We we all f- still find these beautiful differences in the way we all choose to spend time. I, I like to spend my time in in theme parks, but there's people choosing to spend their time in so many variety of different ways. And, and we're trying to create a, uh, an opportunity to draw people in where to, uh, to cater to their tastes with unique storytelling, powerful storytelling in space. So, uh, thinking about that and thinking about the creative work that it takes to, to do something like that in a culture that isn't your native culture. I, I know you're working on projects around the world. Lot you can, lot you can't talk about, but what is that approach to to being creative in, in a place that and a culture and uh, a, a, a tradition of storytelling that isn't your own? You know, when I when I think of our our creative uh, pool, you know, I almost do imagine an analogy of kind of well water, right? If if uh, if you had a cistern that was basically just stagnant flat water, that would kind of go south really quickly. <laughs> like it, mm. it would get stagnant. It would, it, it wouldn't be refreshed. And for us, the thing that kind of keeps that, that, um, that water fresh, uh, is, uh, kind of the, the incoming streams, I guess. Uh, and, and to me, there's no, no, uh, other and no better way of keeping that fresh than, um, again, requiring, uh, our creatives and our designers to uh, kind of get on the plane before they can land the plane uh, creatively. I mean, we need to get on the, on the ground uh, in that soil specific context. We need to 
Mm-hmm. Um, we can call it benchmarking. We can call it research. We can call it a whole lot of fun. But at the end of the day, it is a lot of time and hours spent away from family. But it's so invaluable that that uh, just on the ground uh, cultural reconnaissance, um, seeing what uh, what the the, the local market, uh, what the current uh, you know state of the industry is, state of you know their the the competitors, the the kind of the the uh, the opportunities uh, to spend free time. Um, and, you know, I don't mean that in any disrespectful way. I mean, it, we've never done that where there, there isn't something that's completely surprised, delighted, blown us away, um, right. and, and, and really been a source of inspiration. I mean, I, you know, I, I actually really think of it as, Hey, there's, there's, uh, people and cultures here that, uh, have, you know, you know, have been creative and have been creating for, you know, generations, uh, and they have learned a few things about their, their natural <laughs> settings, their context. Uh, they've got, you know, their own stories and their own mythologies, their own narratives. And, um, you know, again, to, to see the beauty, uh, and the creativity and the originality that's kind of gone before us. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of ways I think of it as like a lot of architects, especially there was a time where a lot of modern Western architects would come in and, and just completely disregard any indigenous local, uh, design and they would just assume that they were bringing, you know, from, from on high the Bauhaus or from right. you know, <laughs> Harvard, they're bringing in this kind of true design aesthetic, right? This minimalist design aesthetic. And again, what they were missing out on was, you know, all of the, the heavy lifting and all the brain damage that had been figured out by so many generations of how to live in that local context and that local climate uh, and using the local materials and, and again, that's just, that's a simple understanding that, you know, just applies to architecture. But when it comes to s- storytelling and immersive environments, we find just as much uh, insight and inspiration and learnings from what people have already been doing uh, in those contexts. And of course, there's always the ability to cross fertilize. You know, you pick up things from one region of the world doesn't mean you can't, you know, pull that out of the, the toolbox <laughs> to apply yeah. in another region of the world. So kind of going beyond the Pinterest boards and the, the the gram and social media, you know, the, the same images that keep circulating around. There's nothing like that local uh, uh, reconnaissance. Do you have any good examples of how you've you've had to encounter that? You've gone to a place and you've seen something and you, you your your paradigm was twisted. Yeah. Well, just as I was talking about the image I was thinking of is, uh, you know, we we're designing a project in um Cambodia, you know, um, and we we're climbing around the temples around Angkor Wat and Siem Reap. And I remember really the specific, I, uh, I think, and I hope it's still around, but there was like sort of this weird theme park. It's kind of a whole weird subgenre of Southeast Asian theme parks, but it's basically you're, you're traveling. It's kind of not too different from like a universal Halloween horror nights. You're basically traveling through different layers and versions of, I guess, some version of Buddhist hell and torture <laughs> and torment. Uh, it was really pretty, pretty interesting. Um, but, uh, you know, again, to see what kind of a unique type of uh, attraction that can be. But, uh, you know, that was just kind of a fun aside. But, you know, to be actually be there uh, living in the context uh, and live with people appreciating every bit of natural airflow and ventilation and, and, um, yeah, I know that in that particular case, there was so much inspiration that we end up uncovering in terms of the, the you know, not only the, the French colonial architecture that's so beautiful in, in cities like Hanoi and Phnom Penh, mm-hmm. but, but also merging that with the, 
the the ancient Khmer um, kind of an indigenous uh, kind of architecture of kind of the the uh, tower, uh, not, not ta- kind of I, I think of it as treehouse homes, but they're like stilt mm-hmm. homes, mm-hmm. you know, because of the the water levels and uh, and because they would use you know uh, underneath for the open air patio is really their main living area. Um, and so just really, you know, from the materials to the textures, uh, to the colors, the mythologies, I mean, we, we used every bit and all of it in the plan that we ended up coming up with. Well, our guest today, Mel, is Daniel Kersher. Daniel is an art director for theme park projects worldwide with decades of experience ranging from Landmark Entertainment and the TAA Group. Most recently, he spent six years guiding the art direction at Europa Park and Mac Rides adding a brilliant color, light, and shadow aspects in one of the world's premier themed destinations. And now our themed attraction podcast interview with our friend, Daniel Kersher. Well, Daniel Kersher, it's so great to see you here at IAPA at the Storyland Studios Blue Sky booth. Yay! It's a really fun place to be today. And uh, Absolutely. I'm Thank so you for having me. Thank of you course. for having me, my friend. Well, um, this is this is going to be sort of an eye opener for some of our guests. We've talked to creative directors, yes, which is a diff- big difference between a creative director and an art director. Uh, but they sometimes play the same role. It's going to be different yes. for some of our guests because uh, we're often talking about American parks. We've yes. had a few international yes. uh, park developers and yes. and creatives and disciplines involved, but not as many as our sort of American based. Podcast, so we're yeah. thrilled to have you thank all you. the way from Germany all today. All the way, yeah. And thank you so much for having me. It's I'm I'm feel honored. Thank you so much. Yeah, yes. that's fantastic. Well, we're doing this live. I mean, there's actual people yes. coming in to see what in the world's going on. They must be important because <laughs> they have microphones. Yeah, they have microphones. Yeah, they're looking awesome. They they think it's a political <laughs> show, but they're gonna be totally wrong. <laughs> yes, they won't yes. be able to get any politics here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, we have some fans who have who come along, so we're right here at the booth. Um, anybody want to uh, make it sound like there's a crowd around us? Yay! Hey, nice to see you guys. Oh, look at that. See, <laughs> look at that. Um, four people can make it sound. This is that's how Spielberg did. We're in the stadium the right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're thrilled to be here at, at IAPA. and thrilled it's to always fun here, right? Oh it's my goodness. People, good friends, colleagues. Oh, it's amazing. And last it. night we were hanging out at Discovery Cove, yes, one of SeaWorld's beautiful that parks. That was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Have I you been there before? No, never been there before, actually. It's but one I of have... the more exclusive experiences yes, that yes, SeaWorld has. Yes, I have to go there on daylight. I would love to yeah, see the I'd whole... Yeah, I'd love to see it. How it's staging, you know, how they did all the, yeah. the rivers and lakes. It looks amazing at night, yeah. but I think it's more impressive by day. So for those of you who don't know Discovery Cove, and it it sounds like a lot of people who were there had, yeah. to, had always wanted to go visit, but yeah. it's sort of an adults-only experience with a like SeaWorld theme, yeah. and it's meant to be a day off, a really mm. fun day off, yeah. walking through the sand. You can wander into the water and yeah. play with the dolphins. Cool. You can uh, follow the lazy river in and around and see animals uh, yeah. on display. Really That's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, I have to go there. And they made an there. amazing Mai Tai last night. Oh, yeah, they did. They I did. had the gin tonic. I have to admit it was not the best I had so no, far. No, no. Because they put the gin at least. 
Okay. Oh, 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 that's well, wrong. Right? That's very but, good. But it was a fun night. It was really fun. So, uh, Daniel, yes. your career has uh, has spanned lots of of, of work. I, yeah. I, we, when we when yeah. we got together um, a few weeks back, yeah. we were looking at your portfolio yes. and just beautiful work that you've done over Thank the years. Thank you so much. Thank you but so much. But a big chunk of your career yes. was at uh, the world famous Europa Park. Yes, yes, it was. It was a great time. I was at Europa Park for six years. Um, and yes, I'm from Germany. And of course, in Germany, Europa Park is the biggest and best theme park. Um, so it was always my goal to be there. And um, yeah, Chris Lang. Yeah. I was creative director at Europa Park and then he called me if I want to join the team and I said, of, of course, I will come, of course. And really I feel it was, it was, it was a great time being yeah. there and uh, we had a great time, Chris and I, and uh, we developed some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. Yes. Well, Euro Europa Park is unique in, in yeah. a lot of ways, similar to what what for Americans legendary is Knott's Berry Farm being yeah. a family park yes. from the seed of an yes. idea a family puts their heart into it absolutely uh, and and builds it up into yeah. a world class destination absolutely and that's that's when when you look at the history of Europa Park it's very impressive I yes. mean it's it's kind of nowhere it's in the middle of the Black Forest yeah not a really big city around. But still, people are coming, having fun, having a great day, enjoy the park. It's pretty well done. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I haven't been, and that's a shameful thing for me because oh, I, yeah. I, I really do consider myself a connoisseur. So yeah. I have to get out there you and have see to. it. You have to see it. Please be my guest. Well, Sunday. you know what's wonderful about Europa Park, though, is there is here at IAPA, we have so many people who are starting their I, I have a couple clients yeah. that we've been walking around this yeah. week and they're starting their own big dream yeah they have this dream to create a roadside or an attraction that they can yes. be part of and they think one day we might be to some degree uh, an important part yes. in um, you know among all the parks yeah. and and Europa Park is a picture of that uh -huh. I mean they really are yeah. a, Europe Europe's destination definitely theme park. yes yes I mean I I always I'm now here in Florida and I visited the Disney parks and Universal and everything. Um, and I always like the difference between the American parks and the European parks because European parks, they have no big IP. Right. So they have to fascinating the people, get them emotionally without a character you already know. You know, when you go to Disney, yep. you know Elsa, you know That's Star right, Wars. Right. Uh, you know Avatar, you know the characters, so they can base all their experience on this IP and the characters. But the European parks, they don't have that. Yeah. Some of them have little IPs, but uh, they're not that successful like yeah. Disney ones. So they have to create something that catches the people, get them in, uh, get them to come back. Yeah. Uh, without any IP, and that's fascinating. That's the difference, and that's what I like. A little bit more about uh, European parts. Yeah, that's parts great. That's, that's great. really great. So tell me how you. Um, well, yeah, let's do a little yeah. little history lesson. Rewind sure. the, the the DeLorean. Let's go back just a little bit. Yeah. So you, how did you first 
sort of get that spark in your oh, head and your heart yes. to want to work in this industry yeah. in particular? Yeah, I didn't start in this industry. I didn't knew that there is a theme park industry. <laughs> I started, I, I was in, uh, living in Munich. And back in the days when I studied, we had three animation studios. I always want to be an animator. Yeah. Of course, I wanted to go I to had Disney, that make heart, right? animation studio. And hey, then, wait, what's your what's your ideal animation? Like, what was the one that uh, the artists and that you saw and you said, "I want to do that"? It was back in the days. It was Andreas De Deja or okay. Deja. Oh, yeah. It was a German artist at uh, Walt Disney Studios. Okay. And I heard Deja, a lot of yes, Deja, yes. Yeah, yeah, Deja, yes. And I heard about him, and I want to be like him. Yeah. So I start drawing, and I want to be animator, and went to the animation studios, and then I failed completely. <laughs> it didn't work. I had to animate a dog. I couldn't do it. I was not able to think <laughs> like an animator, like how the animation works, how the dog's walking. So they said to me, uh, Daniel, so sorry, yeah. but you, yeah. you can't do animation. And my world was crumbling down. Yes. I was crying the whole weekend. Oh, my dream is gone. I want this so badly. Yes. I want to. Um, and then they said to me, uh, you may be interested in doing background painting. And I was like, wow. Yeah, right. No, I don't want background painting. But well, but I don't they want. They tried to retain you at least. Yes, I don't want to leave the animation business. So I, I started to paint. That's why I doing paintings. Yeah. it's my favorite part. I, I love to paint. So um, yeah, that's why I love to do concept arts and all right, this stuff. Right. You know, um, and then it was a fun, fun thing to do. And then I went to Disneyland Paris in I think it was 1995 when Space Mountain was opening, the old one. The uh, Schulwehr trip to the moon. Yes, it's so beautiful. It was amazing. And it was blasting me away. Yes. I had goosebumps all over my body when I saw the whole construction, this yeah. huge building, the white. You go to the moon and back. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah, you I, told I, me. See, I still, have, still goosebumps have goosebumps when yeah. I think yeah, about it. Yeah, you told it. me. You said yes. that the first time you saw it, it was you, so you, great. you realized it was something it more was an art form was, bigger than... It was much bigger than Alex. I couldn't imagine that a building out of concrete, plastic and some color can uh, create this kind of feeling in my body. Yeah, yeah. So that was... That was a turning point in my life. Oh, that's wonderful. And then I saw a, um, a documentary uh, of Space Mountain in, oh. on television. Yeah, okay. And then I heard the first time Imagineering. Yeah, right. The people who, and oh, there are, there are people out there who do this stuff, build yeah. this stuff. And then I started my career, actually, yes. So how did you uh, end up where you did your first thing? Uh, it was work? also, I was lucky that there was a company in Munich yeah. who does, um, uh, theme park design, mostly Americans, very famous one, Chuck Cancelier, Craig Pro uh -huh. as an artist, yeah, great, great, great guy, amazing. He's my role model. Yeah, I think so he's everybody's he role model. Is, he is the best. He's simply the best. Great I tried guy. to call him recently and yeah. see if I could get him to work with and us. How it work out? I didn't. I didn't hear back. I, I, if he ever listens to the show, and I doubt yeah. it, I, you know, I'd love to work with get him, him someday. He is the best. He's amazing. So good, such such a great man. Um, yeah, and then I failed also. Yes, because I was not, I I didn't learn anything about this. There was no school in Germany yes, right, or, right. or no university, you know. So I have they they throw me out. So I have to learn it all by myself. Right. I got a job, a normal job, and in the evening I start to painting and draw and get everything I got from theme park design, theme park business. 
And then I, uh, one year after, I applied again. And then they took me back. Yes. And then I wasn't. That's that was the so starting cool. Point. It was a long fight, but yeah. it was worth it. Tell me about some of the projects that you uh, you made come to life through I, your concepts. Come to life, it's, for example, Star Trek, the ride in Movie Park, Germany. Yeah, yeah. And of course, at Europa Park, the Kankan Coaster, the Teatro and the Third Rafting Tunnel. Uh, and I worked on Batavia, part of Pirates yes, of oh, Batavia, yeah. part of Rulantica. It's always part because uh, there were such huge, big pro uh, projects, so we have a lot of designer working on them. Yeah. Just the Kankan was uh, one project I did with Chris Lang together, partly all of my own, and um, but the others were always a team effort. Yeah. So. Oh, that's yeah. great. That's, that's great. really great. Yes. So in in your work, yes. um, as an art director, yes. Try to try to describe how um, you know the creative director might yes. be overall the yes. entire thing. But what is that role of the art director, and how is it distinct and unique? Yes, I think we have to see that at European parks, they don't have huge design departments. Right. So they have. Not like Disney, a lot of people yeah. or Universal. Mostly it's two, three, four, five maximum people and they have to do everything. That's right. Really, they have to choose the lamps, they have to do the wallpaper, the graphics, the logo, um, the vehicle design. So I was luckily, lucky that I really was able to do everything on this kind of attraction. Yeah, that's The wonderful. facades, the building, the queue line, the master planning. Like I said, the roller coaster itself, uh, the wallpaper, the, from yeah, every right, detail. Right. And that was amazing. That was yeah. an amazing experience because also on construction side, I was able to, to control kind of how the thing looks and how it's getting done. Yes. Because I was able to get I know how the wallpaper looks. I know yeah, which yeah. kind of windows we need. I knew, you know what I mean? Yeah, you brought, yeah. brought it up from from that creative thing. Yes. And, yeah, and there's a consistency issue. The art director is bringing in, hey, we, we've got this this yes. this flow. We have this idea. This is the way yes. we want it to go. Yeah. And when something feels off, yeah. it feels off. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. And that's the thing. I mean, um, people notice. People notice, and uh, we all eager to create something that is emotionally far, far more than just a fun ride. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. We are looking for this kind, meaningful connection, and that's something that's always fascinating me. Let's talk about that meaningful yeah. connection. Yes. Uh, and that's, we talked a bit about this yeah, before. Yeah. And well, I, we're um, side note. I'm hoping to work together yeah. with, with you on a, on some projects. Yes. But that emotional connection. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the one of the award-winning Thea uh, projects of the last year yeah. was um, the Secret Life of Pets ride at mm -hmm. Universal. Yeah. And in that, there's a moment in there where you you're as, when you get on that ride, you take on the role of a puppy. Mm -hmm. You're a puppy, yeah. uh, and I you're going that. through an adventure. I but at the that. very end, yeah. you end up at the at the dog pound. And you're being adopted by your forever family. Yes, oh, and that's, that's one of those just oh, wow. How did you get that little you. bit of heart yes. into something like that? Yes. So let's talk about that. The emotional yes. connection that oh, you're yeah. trying to create. Yeah, that's a kind of a little bit of a long story because when you're an art director or concept artist like me, 
um, especially with this experience with Space Mountain back in the days, yes. this feeling yes. was so unique. I, I don't talk about a thrill experience right. or, oh, this is a beautiful thing experience. It right. was a really deep, meaningful connection. And of course, I wanted to create something similar that people can connect it to in yeah. the same way. But I never thought about it how. Yeah, right. Why? Right. Um, so I started to make beautiful designs, beautiful pictures, because I thought when they say, oh, that's beautiful, that's wow, that's enough. Yes. But it isn't. Right. Because, you know, for yourself, the concept art and the reality sometimes... Vastly different. Definitely. Vastly different. Yeah, and that's... Uh, so I started to reading some books about how we as human beings reacting to art. Yeah. I mean, imagine we are coming from the Stone Age. And right, right. We are hunters. But at one point, we said, oh, this looks beautiful. Yeah, This right. touches me. Right. Yeah? Right. Or we start to painting things on the wall. Yeah. And, and this had a meaning. Yeah. And then, I mean, not only painting it in on, people have to understand it. Yes. So you know the process? So... So I'm sure that because when you go to a park, especially when we talk at the moment, we all talk about Cosmic Rewind. Yes. And you have, of course, you have always the taste. The taste is always comes first. But some people said, hey, I cried. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And then you say, OK, why did, does it cry? And there's a lot of people who say they cried. So there must be kind of a universal language. Yep. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. but. It touches you. Yes. And that's the that's the secret, right? The, right. the, the, the it really form, is. That's what we are looking for. <laughs> to touch wonderful. all these people and get them a tear out of their yeah, eye. Yeah. Because then there is a connection, an emotional connection. And that's what drives me. And it's what's that's gonna what's drive what them me. back. Yes. It's gonna drive them to come visit Definitely, again. Definitely, yeah. Because then it starts to to get in this this core yes. of emotion and human emotion and that's something I, I really like to achieve. That's because it's it's challenging. Yes, that's it's right. It's more challenging. Well, you know? and those are the stories that we like to watch in film or like yeah. to read about. Yes, the one that gives me something that I take away. Yeah, they, well, you know, the the capital F U N fun yeah. at the top of every theme park. Yes, uh, when you walk in the door. Yes, when you take fun and you make it emotional, it's yeah. the same sort of F-U-N that you have with your family. Yes. You're laughing, you're joking, yes. you're getting upset yes. or hurt feelings. Absolutely, But at yes. the end of the day, you have this depth of warmth for those people. Absolutely, that, yes. That, and that's the, the good. I mean, we all here in this business have yeah. this kind of feeling. That's why we started in this business. Exactly. We want to do it. Yeah. We want to create it. And uh, yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. And what I learned in my business as well is that as a creator, we have to try to make it cohesive, yes. that it hangs together. Yeah. Because often, and that it, it doesn't depend on the budget, in my point of view. I mean, let's, right. let's do it true. like, yeah, let's do it like that it feels like it came out of the same spirit, out of the same idea, that it really feels hangs together, and then put one single message on it. Yeah. That don't need, you don't need a lot of uh, budget for it. Yeah. Then you 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 win over the people. I'm so sure. Yeah. And um, uh, of course, we all got our lovely story about Disneyland and 
I don't know, for me it was also first time Haunted Mansion was a big yes, right, wow right. effect as well. Um, I think that's also something um, people can connect to and uh, it's possible to create in the beginning of a developing process and that's what drives me at the moment. Yeah, I love a lot. that. Me too. It's when really, you, it's really when challenging. you think of simple, though, I, uh, you know, simple things like the sign when you're walking into yes. Disneyland, the, the little sign over the thing that says yeah. "Here you leave today." Yeah. It puts you in that Always moment. It says great. you, yes. and yeah. that you are having this experience. Exactly. You are being transported, exactly. and it's supposed exactly. to move you. It's supposed it to is. move me. How do you tell a story when people listen with more than their ears? Stories change lives. They make us remember, but only when they are felt and not just heard. Storyland Studios builds the impossible. We turn big ideas into reality. We tell stories in three dimensions to stir the senses so you can walk into places you've only seen in your dreams, in real life and real time. Storyland's artists, architects, and artisans take stories out of the imagination and build tangible dreams that leave lasting impressions and memories that endure for years. What's your story? Storyland Studios is themed entertainment, destination design, production, and fabrication. Connect with the team at Storyland Studios to get started building your impossible dream today. Visit StorylandStudios.com or call now. 800-218-1932. That's 800-218-1932. Storyland Studios, your big idea's best ally. So we got some questions oh, from, really? our, awesome. from our team, our, our listeners. And so I want to ask you a couple of those questions, see how you respond to these, all right? Sure, sure. I don't even, I haven't read them yet. Yep. Who knows? They might be completely offensive. Oh, I uh, have no, no it doesn't problem look with like that. It. All right. Can you talk to the difference between the way European audiences respond to theme parks, uh, the theme park experience, yes. and the way American responses are? I think, uh, yeah, that's, it's a little bit also with the IPs, sure. IP thing. Sure. Um, the European parks are more historical driven, I would say. Yeah. And American parks are more movie based, IP based, um, because most of the storylines you see and feel in European parks are back in the 19th century. Sure. The Schulbern thing, yeah. you know, this kind of stuff. Um, and um, I think that the, the main uh, um, difference. Yeah. I'm not sure if if it's more the thrill rides or more the dark rides or anything. I think it's also no, the family thing. It's similar. Yes. Americans love to go with the families there. It's the same with the European ones. Um, no, I think that's the main. Yeah, that's the main IP different. movie thing. It's right. difference. Much more. So this is an interesting question. Yeah. As a creative, as yes. an artist, yes. Are you able to find freedom in being creative, even though you're sort of contained in a project that that has to have cohesion between this land or this land and or this attraction matching in this land? Yeah. I, I, where Where do you get your creative freedom blended with? the job it's just a job that's a good that's a very good question um 
I think first you have to try. Yes. You know, still you have to convince the business guys mostly or the yeah, money guys, I would say. Because I think we are mistaken to say that we are working on two different planets. Yes. Because the goal is the same, yeah. mostly. So that there is a base, you know, when you try to explain the emotion, I mean, nothing is more difficult to explain an emotion to a logical yeah, right, money right. number guy. It's yeah. really hard. But maybe it's good to go down to the level and explain it logically yeah. or mathematically if it's possible. Why it's necessary to do it like this. Yes. Why it's necessary to put all the money exactly in that room. Yes. Because blah, blah, blah. Because this, 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 this. Yes. That's why, why, why. Point yeah. for point. Very logical. <laughs> then I think you have a chance to explain it. And right. then um, there's a lot of uphill battles. But um, yeah, I think it's always a, um, how can I say it? A, a goal to get the people on the same um, page. Right, you right. Know? So you, in the beginning of the project, you really have to do everything that every part of this project is on the same uh, level or yep, yep. goal, yep, what yep. we want to achieve. Right. And then you can say, hey, at the beginning we said we want to do this. And that's, I'm, I am totally convinced that when we do this, yeah. we go there. We go there, right. And I right. need We're your, your work, goal. I need your help, I need your money yeah. to go there. It sounds like a lot of trust. They're, yes, they need the to trust. trust. Yeah, trust the, is a good. Uh, that's a good. Folks. Yes, that's a good. Yeah, definitely. Uh, that's that, a good word. That, yes, that's incredible. Sorry, yeah. she's got me in there. <laughs> uh -huh. I got another question yes. from the audience. Okay. Cool. Our, our crowded audience all around here. <laughs> this is great. Um, so this is. A, I love this question. Oh, cool. So there's a perception yeah. that uh, architectural standards, yes. uh, especially with theming, yes, is high. Is higher in Europe. Yes. Then it might be here in the States or yes. it might be in, a, you know, yeah. some of the, the and, and I and I think that comes a lot from the sort of American bubblegum sort of, hey, roadside attraction thing. If it's yes. a flat yes. and it, if you can make a giant out in the desert, yes. people will drive yes. by and pay a yeah. nickel to see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, but why do you think that so the expectation of European audiences is maybe a little bit more, I suppose, refined. Yes. Uh, if we can define it that, then some of the audiences <laughs> elsewhere. Yeah. I think, first of all, when you live in Europe, you're not far away from beautiful architecture. Exactly. If you want to see the Eiffel Tower, one hour flight, two hour flight, you can see the Eiffel Tower. So if you want to see Rome, you yeah. can see Rome. It's not a big distance, you right. know? So, people can always are always able to see the real deal ah yeah so when you want to get them into your park it's the totally wrong doing to copy this kind of architecture right. so you have to come up with something different maybe based on that architecture that it right that it um, helps you to tell the story you know um, for me the theming the theme itself is kind of the connector it's not about the architecture itself the theming is the connector between where you get your emotion to yes. the people or the story yeah. to the people, you know? Uh, it's not a blank wall or something. A building, a real building has a history. Yes, that's, that's what right. It's, yeah? yeah, that's what where you, oh, it's built then by this. Yeah. That's why it's here and so on and so on. And it's, 
These are the fires that survived. In the theme park, we tell the story otherwise. So the architecture is there to help creating something we want to tell, we want to achieve. So that's totally, that's the difference. You know what I mean? I do. And yeah, I don't know if I answered a question with that. No, you did, you did. That's really good. And I think, I think we, we recognize that yeah. there's, if you're going to put some place of fantasy within yeah. a, a country, you have to recognize yes. who that person, that country is, is and who those yes. people are. Yes. So what they're going to respond to. Yeah. I, um, you know, we, I just came from a panel where I heard a gentleman who had uh, built the, you know, Universal in, in Beijing. Yes. And, yes. and that's, that's an entirely China, different yes. audience yes. for your the things Definitely. that you think yes. work, yes. you have to make them yeah. change and bend yeah. for the tastes and the expectations yeah. of that audience. Absolutely. And we have a famous example, Disneyland Paris. At the beginning, you know, the, the people rejected, the European, especially the French people rejected it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's that's because it was not fully committed to the French right. culture. Right. So, and it changed. Yes. I'm happy that it changed. <laughs> but. So I think that was a wrongdoing, and that's yeah. yeah. You always have to connect with the culture and with the people. Yeah, definitely. Tell me about one of just a closing question. Yeah, the sure. favorite, um, your favorite work of art that you did. Yes. Art directing a project that when you walk into it now, you say it worked. It did. It it was it was, it was what you wanted to do. Um, I have to go with my Kankan coaster. Ah uh, yes. I was once riding it. The train was full with French people. And the on onboard sound uh, was the is the Kankan. Yes. Everybody dun, knows the song. And the whole train was clapping. Oh, the whole that's time. so great! And I was sitting there, and I was like, Yeah. Yeah, we yeah, hit it. That's what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted uh, fun and you know clapping and and, and you wanted French people it. to feel like it was their ride, yes. right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was the French themed area, yeah, so it was so logical. You know, it was logical, and that's yeah, that was a great ride. That yeah, was amazing. Does it, do you feel like you're you're your drawings, your paintings, yeah. match the yes. sense of what. Yeah. Yes. It, at this point, uh, we did a really great job to match the concept art to the actual real buildings. So yeah. it worked pretty well. So thank you, Europa Park, for. So what are you doing now? That. I'm freelancing at the moment. Yeah, great. I, um, I mean, after six years, I need a little bit of change, fresh air new ideas, new inputs. So I decided to go full on. And uh, yeah, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm open to everything. Okay. I'm really open. Well, thank cool. you so much for coming thank on the you, show. So We're much. thrilled yeah. to have you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry much. Was Mel wasn't here. He was on his way oh, and so something sorry. changed today. Oh, so so uh, sorry. Hey, next time we'll have you meet Mel. And, Absolutely. Uh, so that that's awesome. Okay. Thank cool. you so much Thank for coming on. Thank you so much, Freddie. Thank have you. Have fun at the it was show. A pleasure. Yeah. Enjoy the show too. Thank All you. Right. Mel, something exciting about talking with Daniel was to really feel and sense his hunger for new ideas, new learnings, ways to look at things, different ways to do things, and it, it really, in his story, it led him to innovations that greatly improve the guest experience and and what the guests see and feel and uh enjoy as they leave you know the memories that they're 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 bringing and leaving with so for our listeners i'm i i'm anticipating this question from them is like how do you recommend 
that somebody who's working in the industry or is trying to get, get in, how, how do you cultivate a voracious appetite like Daniel's for new and creative approaches, inputs for their themed entertainment design? Well, you know, I think uh, obviously uh, it's pretty common thread that a lot of people that uh, are interested are also fans and, and like to, you sure. know, get all the roller coaster credits and, and like to <laughs> consume, I guess, other themed entertainment, uh, you know, attractive. But I would encourage people to get out of the box of what we think of as modern uh, themed entertainment or even museum cultural attractions and and think about the places that have formed the kind of collective conscience or, or memory of of uh different uh you know cultures and, and places so uh, again whether it's places of uh natural history national parks whether it's uh yeah uh, historical uh places the way that a uh, you know a society kind of kind of lands on its official story you know because mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that is always edited right typically by people in charge but you know like understanding <laughs> How many who gets to play in the editing of that story? And where is that coming from? And and again, what is the general caliber of excellence or or lack thereof in terms of you know propagating that story? And and some sometimes it is pretty thin propaganda. Sometimes it's really richly textured and uh, can be innovative. But like I said, I I, I think there's so much discovery in, in uh, every context that I've been in, from developing nations to you know, kind of, uh, places, you know, that have been like world capitals, like London right. or what have you. Um, so, I mean, I, I, yeah, I'm thinking of stuff as diverse as Connors Prairie outside of Indianapolis, uh, Smithsonian affiliate, you know, a former farm. I'm thinking of like the, the, the London transit museum. Like, I mean, there's just so many different unique, uh, kind of things out there that aren't like on your, you know, global, uh, right. You know, theme park, uh, a calm attendance list. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, yeah, it's so true. And, and I think, I think reading, I think, uh, you know, gathering a library of, of those, those uh, stories and photos and looking back at how, how concept art has developed is also a great way to fill yourself with what you're going to then return as you, uh, as you create for the industry. It's exciting. Did you hear that? I think I think I just heard the fireworks down back at the dock. It, it might be a good time for us to get back to the dock. What do you say, Mel? Heck yeah. Okay. Let's head for home. Until next time. Thanks, Mel. The Themed Attraction Podcast is hosted by Freddie Martin and Mel McGowan. We want you to know we do not take your listening for granted. We love it that you listen, and we want to create amazing content for you every single time we post. This is so important to us. Would you mind taking the time to leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts? This will help others find the show, and we'll be able to continue bringing these amazing interviews to you. We want to thank our special guest, art director Daniel Kersher. You can learn more about Daniel and his work on Instagram at themeparkdesigner underscore 73 or connect with him on LinkedIn. Get access to new shows, stories, and interviews at themedattraction.com. Start your own profile, discuss the latest advancements, and interact with your fellow theme park designers around the world. Follow the action on Instagram and Twitter at themedattraction and join our active discussion group 
group on LinkedIn. Connect with Mel by email via mel at storylandstudios.com or follow him on Twitter at Mel McGowan and Instagram at Visioneer. You can find me, freddymartin.net, and follow my adventures at Skipper Freddy on Instagram and Twitter. Our theme music was composed by Rob Watson, other music provided by The Lost Dogs. This episode was designed and produced by the one and only Dr. Barry Hill. Barry is an author and publisher of beautiful books on theme parks, including Imagineering an American Dreamscape and a newly released coffee table book for Kings Island. Rivershore Creative can help you tell your own story, whether for your park, company, or as an industry expert. Need a podcast? They can do that, too. Go to RivershoreCreative.com to get started. You know, Mel, Barry once spotted a Himalayan tiger. The locals call them Himalayans because normally you'd see Himalayan right over there along the water's edge. But the other day, somebody said they saw Himalayan over here on this log. Truth is, I've been up and down this river for years, and I've never seen Himalayan anywhere. Thanks for listening, folks. 